Hello, hello. Welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with all the subgenres within. I am one of your hosts, Devon Taylor. Joined with me, I got my co-host, Garrett McDowell. It's me, the other host. Happy to be here closing out uh, another month that I will say has been like one of my favorite discussions and like subgenres that we've had. So uh, I hate to see you go, but you know, I'm excited uh, for what we have next month, but uh, I'm excited for our conversation uh, today as well. Yeah, Remake Mania was a hoot and holler as expected. Um, a very uh, the the numbers also uh, boded very well for that. We're coming up on like a, a record month actually. So yeah, the people really liked the remakes. We really liked them, and uh, this was a really um fun month of again like kind of having to tweak our format a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, you know tackle uh, the movies in a little different way, which was super exciting. Um, but um, it, we had uh, kind of one of those fifth week situations here where we got five weeks in May. And uh, uh, when this episode releases, tomorrow is my birthday. Um, so for a little birthday shenanigans, I kind of wanted to do, a, a, you know, just a little loosey-goosey episode um, as we kind of uh, talk about some of the remakes that we didn't get to talk about uh, previously this month. Um, so we're going to kind of talk uh, some dream remake scenarios and go into our remake rumble brackets. Um, but I uh, had to bring in a... Uh, a, a, a mm. <laughs> but I had to bring in a remake expert. Um, uh, this person uh, has a column, Revenge of the Remakes, uh, as well as his uh, work over at Surf I've Forgotten, the website and podcast, and uh, contributor to uh, websites all around. Welcome back to the show, Matt Donato. It is me, not host, Matt Donato. <laughs> Sam, it is uh, it is three-time uh, appearance member now, Matt Donato. I was about to say, you're, you're not far off from, like, entering into that honorary host kind of spot there. <laughs> I was going to say, do I get a jacket, like, on SNL? Do I get yes. welcomed into, like, the Five Club? <laughs> exactly. We're working on it. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we have some stickers or something, because we got you and Jay in the three-timers club, and then we got a couple two-timers, but you guys are three-timers now. Uh, so yeah. the, the, the exclusive uh, Spectre Hall of Fame here. And, uh, and like I said, uh, I know you do your column, Revenge of the Remakes, you've been tackle them a bunch so uh kind of before we get into things uh what makes you so fascinated with remakes and like kind of what um you know made you want to break them down the way you do in the column yeah it's i think it's a few things i mean number one i like writing about things that i don't want to say that like people hate or something like that uh but i feel like i like going to bat for whether it be movements or movies that maybe got a rough go of it the first time or something of that nature and i believe you know i'm trying to think of like the first remake that really threw me onto it but you know i just sat there watching a remake uh, let's let's say evil dead like it honestly could have been evil dead 2013 and you know that was early in my writing career and all i'm hearing from certain groups is like oh my god why would you remake evil dead like it's a classic like we're we're here to make new horror movies don't remake things they're useless remaking is a pointless exercise and you know i'm sitting there watching evil dead 2013 and if you've heard me talk about it if you've read my articles it's one of my favorite horror movies um so i like that just lit a fire in me to be like why is the conversation always and and not as much these days but like we're talking a little bit little back then we're talking of the 2000s remake craze that really set a lot of people off but i was like hey why aren't we talking about how these remakes are actually pretty good and maybe Mm -hmm. we were all just wearing nostalgia goggles and you know 
remakes get a bad rap for being what they are because yeah there are terrible ones and there are ones that are just copycats but there are so many positive examples of amazing remakes and like what you can do with remake filmmaking and remake approaches that you know it is original it is opening a completely new door so that really started everything and i I, you know i just snowballed from there you know bloody disgusting is nice enough to let me write once a month about a new remake uh, combination every time and it's a journey for me too because i love watching new things and unfortunately i'm at a place in my life where like most of the time i only get to watch new movies when i'm writing about them (laughs) so this is a great way of like pairing an original with a new remake i've probably seen already but clearing up a lot of blind spots so that is the uh, the crux of why this column exists and why I love remix. Yeah, I think I don't know what it is about the genre of horror where I just feel like generally, uh, as opposed to other genres, I feel like horror fans are a little bit more accepting of horror remakes. Uh, I think maybe it's just because it's maybe built into the genre. How many Dracula movies are there? How many King Kong movies are there? Godzilla. Lots of those, yes, are sequels. But I think you can go back to uh, some of the earliest days of horror and there seems to be how can we take this base core idea of of whatever the subject is and turn it into something new and fresh. And I think maybe there's a uh, could be an example of yeah, there are lots of good uh, or it could be a case of there are lots of good examples and, and, and people are welcoming because of that. But it could just be we're getting an equal amount of original ideas too. So the, it's not just like we're being inundated with uh, just repackaged uh, remakes all the time. I think it's a nice balance. Uh, and I would say the horror remakes, I would say the uh, the batting average is, is pretty high as opposed to some other genres. Yeah, I, I think it works well in horror just because, you know, again, horror is a genre where the the storytelling isn't like kind of bound to reality or to uh, you know traditional rules of storytelling so like you kind of have a little bit more room to work with in that angle you also have the um you know how horror um, how horror has changed technologically over the years as well um i think is you know kind of changed more than some of the other genres as well um but yeah cuz it, it, i think it's a good point it's like yeah pretty much when in, unless it is a like when when it comes to remaking non horror stuff, like that's when people are just like absolutely like shutting it down like so fast, and I find it fascinating. And and I think uh, Garrett did mention too that I think the the number of um original ideas like kind of being able to you know not only match the amount of remakes but definitely outnumber them, mm-hmm. versus it kind of did feel like at at a certain point in the early two thousands that like it was like either like a one to one or like if you know like a just be as far as like the mainstream reaches of you know most of these remakes because you know most of them do end up you know going to theaters because they are known properties you know there's not very many indie remakes out there you know mm-hmm. um so yeah. i think uh, that's kind of part of it as well that like you know just because they were in such a big focus in the in the uh, audience's eyes that uh they kind of had that reception but yeah it's it's definitely uh, uh i think uh, evened out over the years it's even now in a way that we're actually going back and giving a critical appraisal that some of these movies like deserve. Mm-hmm. Like I think about talking about the two thousands, uh, you know, one of the big injustices is how few horror critics were on Rotten Tomatoes, for example, uh, mm-hmm. during that remake like onslaught. You know, starting starting around the time of Texas Chainsaw and all that stuff, two thousand three, two thousand two, like Dawn of the Dead. All these things are hitting. 
Um, but like if you're looking at Rotten Tomatoes and if you're using Rotten Tomatoes to make your decisions, you're seeing, you know, Friday the 13th with like a 20%, like House on Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts. They both rip, but they're both like negative tomato scores. Like yeah. every one of those remakes has it, every quote is like the same too. Like, oh, just another horror rehash. Like it, it's it's critics who didn't really appreciate horror in a way that these films deserved at the time. And again, if you're using that as your tool to go to the movies, you're ignoring all of this stuff. Like horror fans are see it, reading this and just ignoring all of it. So I, that's another reason that, like, you know, I want to kind of go back through time, let's say, and like look at how these films were received and look at why they were received that way. Because I mean, generally, like, if you talk to a lot of horror fans and stuff, stuff like Friday the Thirteenth, everyone's like, yeah, the movie rips. So it just it, that evening out, I think, was more evening out the basis of uh, the critical discourse at the time and catching that up yeah. with where we are now. Because, again, I agree, like a lot of horror fans I, I do know are very accepting of remakes are very pro remake. But there still is that subset online and that still is that subset of fandom that is staunchly like all remakes are bad. The original is always better. What are we doing here? So it, yeah. it's it's still a constant battle to fight. But it's just that luckily that contingency is becoming weaker and weaker and going away. I just want to look someone in the eye who claims that and then be like, you're going to tell me the thing from another world is better than the thing. Like, are you are you like with your full chest going to say that? But you had mentioned like the that maybe the the population of those who are writing for Rotten Tomatoes, you know, being now maybe a bit more accessible than it used to be um, back in the day where you had to go to print or something, uh, you know, like on a physical magazine or a newspaper or something. And it just makes me think of how I mean, just. Yesterday, I tweeted and kind of poking fun at a deadline article saying that like horror is horror's back, baby, and it's just like it's it's not going anywhere. And whether it's because of remakes or sequels, they continue to find ways to reinvent themselves and to bring new ideas to the table, not just with original stories, but also uh, in these kind of uh, legacy remakes and not being afraid to take a crack at some of these you know pretty iconic, pretty beloved uh, original films and saying, okay, this is there, but what else? can we do how else can we make this feel fresh and new yeah and i totally agree and it's you know of course we have that every six months you know one of those articles that comes out and it's just like uh we we're literally the one genre that doesn't die actually like uh, <laughs> well, well, we're not talking about how true comedies are dead but that's all that's a whole discussion for another uh for another day um but yeah so there's there's been so many and i think it will be interesting to maybe do a uh, part two of uh, Remake Mania, where we uh, maybe take a look at the uh, ones that are more consensus, don't work, and then kind of maybe try to figure out the reasons as to why. Um, I think that might be a, a fun follow-up, but um, but uh, before we bid adieu to all the remakes, um, again, because there were so many of them, there were a lot that we didn't get to talk about. Um, so I did, on, uh, on the Twitter page, over the past few weeks, I've been doing a, uh, a tournament bracket of remakes. Uh, the Remake Rumble, um, it was uh, the first one that I did where I took uh, 32 remakes, reimaginings. I uh, did not do the reboots. I did not count those ones. Um, these were strict remakes and reimaginings. And uh, I took 32 of them uh, based off of, uh, I did letterbox scores. And then if there were any ties, then I went to Rotten Tomato scores. And uh, I won't take you guys through, uh, you know, every single uh, movie that was included, um, but I know uh, I know uh, Garrett has seen uh, which ones were in there. So I'll take you guys through uh, some of the highlights so far. And as of now, um, we still uh, have the final four to go. 
um, the, the tournament is not quite over yet, but um, after this episode comes out, it will be kind of nearing the end of it. So, um, so hop on Twitter if you guys aren't following our Twitter page to uh, crown the uh, winner of the remake Rumble. So uh, let's see here um, what went down in round one of uh, the remake Rumble. Um, uh, some of the highlights, um, the fly, uh, took out a, um, uh, the biggest victory margin with 94%, uh, establishing itself as a behemoth, of course, um, which is, uh, uh, I'll get to here in a moment talking more about the fly. The closest match from that, uh, from round one was the Fright Night 2011, edged out by the Crazies from 2010. Uh, with 52%. Uh, so a little upset there by the crazies. Uh, Fright Night, I think, is a little bit of a fan favorite. But the biggest surprise from round one, uh, Texas Chainsaw 2003, which we covered here uh, this month, was defeated in the first round by Hills Have Eyes 2006 uh, with 54%. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, those round ones? Yeah, uh, Hills Have Eyes, I, I really enjoy that. I would say the the... To me, the, the chasm between the original Hills Have Eyes and then the remake is a bit wider than the, the 2003 remake of, of Texas Chainsaw is to the original. Even though I both I really love both of those movies, I would still edge out Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I, it's not enough to get upset by. It's just kind of like, it'd be a good double feature. They're very like similar flavor of movies, even with their original and then the remake. They're both like kind of this nice pairing. So I'm not going to throw a fit over it, but Texas Chainsaw is, is better <laughs> i i think i'm okay with it I, I i'm a huge uh hills have eyes remake fan it's like you just said i think it's all respect to the original hills have eyes but yes. the remake is leaps and bounds better mm-hmm. uh it is just the, it's the movie I, I wanted to see the first time you know and I, and again i think that's why a lot of these remakes work because you can go back and make the movie that maybe that original filmmaker couldn't make with you know that tiny a budget with that tiny resources and stuff yeah so i i actually uh I, i'm very pro that choice i think i i really do enjoy the texas chainsaw remake as well but hills have eyes just gives me everything i want yeah i i think it is one of the few um you know one of the ones that i think is yeah definitely better like you know respect to wes craven but like it is better than uh, that original and it's gnarly like it's actually one i've like not wanted to revisit because i'm like eh, it makes me really gross and i don't like that <laughs> like but in the in the good way though um so yeah so there were um some uh but not too many upsets in that in that first round so then in round two um biggest margin of victory was uh the thing continuing its dominance of uh it took a um uh, it's a second round matchup by 88 percent um, the uh, closest matchup, though, was between another one that we uh, talked about uh, this month that is still hanging on, but uh, Suspiria uh, edged out the ring with a 54% uh, percentage win. And then the biggest upset would have been um, Evil Dead 2013, which was, a, uh, was, which was an 11 seed because of a shockingly low letterbox rating. Um, mm-hmm. So it was an 11 seed and it took out Cape Fear, which was a six seed. So a five, six, uh, a five seed uh, difference there for an upset there. But uh, what do you guys think about uh, I saw Matt shaking your head about uh, the thing in a Suspiria uh, matchup there. Uh, wait, was it thing in Suspiria? I thought that was a uh... the ring in Suspiria. No, the ring. The- Oh, the ring. Sorry, I heard the thing. My oh, bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No worries. Y- your face there would have been warranted. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, no, well, no, I, I actually think, uh, I, I, man, I don't think Suspiria deserves that. I, I, I am a uh, 
somewhat fan of Suspiria, but I think it's too long. I think it's too uh, overbloated, and I think there's a much better movie way to hell trimmed down. Uh, while The Ring is fucking scary. Like, The yeah. Ring is, like, primo horror, like, textbook definition horror. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if I'm into that one. Yeah, it's quite surprising, too, considering, like, uh, you know, Suspiria is, is the newer one and maybe hasn't been kind of... Uh, permeated the horror zeitgeist like The Ring has. Like, The the Ring is an institution, uh, like, such an iconic horror movie from the early 2000s. Like, how many people do you know that watched that closet scene alone and were just, like, mm-hmm. scared out of their wits? So, I mean, shout out to Suspiria from, like, kind of being the new kid on the block to, to upset that film, but also, it's... Yeah. Again, not enough to really get upset by. For me, it's just I just prefer the ring. I think the ring is 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 scarier. I think it's more memorable. Uh, I I think it's also a, a better improvement on the original as opposed to Suspiria. Uh, but that's just just that's just me, my own personal preference. I mean, yeah, I I mean, I was very surprised uh, again because I mean we talked about it last week. Like I'm a fan of the Suspiria remake for sure, and I know it, but I know it's pretty divisive among uh you know the fans and everything. Um, but, uh, the ring came in with like a shockingly low letterbox rating. So it was the 13 seed out of 32, which I was like very surprised by. I thought it was going to kind of have a higher seeding, uh, by the way it went, but, uh, that's the, that's the way it shook out. So that, that one was a little bit surprising. And then, uh, so we just wrapped up, uh, round three to kind of whittle it down to the top four. Um, so, uh, the results we had, uh, the thing, a number one seed taking out invisible man, uh, which was a nine seed, uh, Suspiria moved on to the final four, uh, beating Dracula 92 wild. Um, we had, uh, the fly, uh, continued on. It was the number two seed and, uh, it defeated the blob, which was the seven seed. Um, and then the closest uh, of the round three matchups was between Invasion of the Body Snatcher 78 and Evil Dead 2013. Uh, Evil Dead 2013 was in the lead for a good bit. And then um, a lot of uh, Body Snatcher fans came out uh, claiming it was blasphemy and it ended up taking it <laughs> instead. Um, you know, I had to do a preliminary poll. Because, um, you know, Body Snatchers has multiple different versions. I just wanted to double check, see if there were any uh, Body Snatchers 93 fans that were like maybe wanting that one in instead. But uh, 78 uh, ended up being a three seed and making this top four. I will say uh, I am very proud of the blob. It showed up, you know, it got knocked out in round three. It's very respectable. It's just unfortunate that it's going up uh, against the fly, uh, but still props to the blob. I absolutely adore that movie. And I'm even surprised it made it made it this far. The fact that it beat um, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, I think just including Zack Snyder in a tweet is inviting <laughs> madness, Devon. And, and I'm surprised that was And the blob yeah, took I'm, out fan favorite 13 ghosts. Like the blob had a nice showing, like. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised that just a bunch of Snyder fans didn't just inundate that <laughs> poll and just smack the blob off the face of the earth. But I absolutely uh, love that movie, so I will uh, champion it to the end of my days. Yeah, and I like the blob going against the fly. Like, they, they stand for the same thing. They're both, like, the quintessential 80s remake that is all practical, all gory, all in your face. So, I, I mean, either one of those moving on and advancing, I I, I think, again, like, the same message is being championed. Yeah. Uh, but I huge fan of the blob, huge fan of the fly. I am a little surprised at uh, Dawn of the Dead losing that because I'm a giant fan of Dawn of the Dead. 
That was a very close matchup in round one between Blob and Dawn of the Dead. It was a 4% difference. It was a 54-46 difference. So uh, very close. So yeah, so right now in the final four, it is um, the top four seeds. Um, It ended up being uh, The Thing, The Fly, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Suspiria. Um, going on in the final four. By the time um, this episode goes out, you'll still have time to vote for the very final matchup. And uh, I mean, I'm obviously not surprised on kind of the way it shook out. Uh, I kind of wish I would have left the thing and uh, and the fly off. I think it might have made for some more interesting matchups later on because I think it's going to come down to those two and we'll see which one ends up being the winner. But um, so I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, a, a few tweaks to the tournament, I could have uh, made it a little bit better. The only like egregious uh, 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 omission that I totally forgot was it. Um, it would have been a pretty high seed in there and I totally forgot about it. So uh, it, that one did not make the tournament, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I will say if Suspiria makes it another round, I'm, I'm going to riot in the streets. That's madness, Devon. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed on that. I'll, I'll champion that with you. I'll flip a car with you. Thank hey, you. Well, yeah, get, get, get in there and uh, uh, try to uh, swing the swing the votes whenever uh, I post these uh, new matchups uh, coming up. Um, but uh, it's been fun, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, already, me and Garrett were kind of talking back and forth about doing a, a saw trap tournament for October. So, so be on the lookout for that for for our next little uh, tournament on that because I love polls and tournaments. I think those are always, uh, you know, they're just fun. So, uh, but uh, let's uh, go ahead and get into uh, the topic for the rest of the episode: some dream remakes that we would love to see in horror. All right. So again, you know, so many horror movies have been remade, um, but, uh, you know, we also have like ones that like keep getting remade like multiple times. That happens a lot. And, you know, and um, and, you know, these tend to be kind of be a lot of the bigger name IPs that are uh, kind of still being remade. So I kind of want to uh, do a little dig in uh, with you guys uh, as to some other horror movies that maybe haven't gotten the remake treatment that should and like what your reasoning behind it will. Um, we did uh, limit it to each of us did get one pick if we want to remake something that has already been remade. But uh, but for the most part, these will kind of be some fresh ones and uh, also got some input from you guys on Twitter as well. Uh, so Donato, as the guest, uh, do you want to go first as uh, one of your films that you'd like to see get remade? Sure. Uh, I'm going to hold my one that has been remade before. I'll start with something more original and I'm going to go back and say the theater of blood should be remade. I think the concept of a Shakespearean actor uh, killing theater critics uh, who outspoke against his work and humiliated him is exactly something that should be redone now. I mean, like we're talking about a Vincent Price film and like if you look at the track record of remakes of Price to the new age, I I think there's a very good track record, uh, House and Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts down down the line there. And to me, like you can have so much fun with a movie like Theater of Blood, you can make it very horror comedy focused you can take the idea of like take it out of theater and like put it in movies take some guy like obsessed with rotten tomatoes who starts like picking off critics who like ripped off they're like shit all over his last movie but you can also have a commentary on like criticism you can have a commentary on so many things if you open that door and there are so many like actors and actresses that could have so much fun with playing the unhinged performant performative type 
uh like give it to like daniel radcliffe being like the crazy performer who is just going through a list of critics who wronged him and i think that concept would be bonkers good there's so much commentary to mine especially right now where like criticism is in a weird state where it's not just about like the performer who snaps like it can also be about like the critics and what they are doing to like put themselves in the scenario so that is my like number one dream i I want theater of blood to get an update and not because i think the original needs an update or not that the original is not good in any way or something like that like no it's fantastic uh but take it out of the theater put it into movies put it into the current climate and just like let somebody have a ton of fun with it i think it's also really like apt for a remake too and just the way that like we were just talking about the way that critics just view horror as a genre being a genre that never gets nominated for academy awards if it does it's like more of a drama thriller uh and it's just kind of omitted from that conversation then it's given its flowers only when it does well financially uh never really uh critically which is is uh frustrating see i i I went in like a similar direction not for my next pick but i was also thinking um fade to black for like other similar kind of like commentary reasons and then i just uh, didn't conclude it my list because i was just like i think just the next scream movie should just be kind of like a weird amalgamation of some of these ideas you know (laughs) that'd be fun uh yeah i I haven't seen this one but i will say like whenever i was uh kind of looking for the ones that i wanted to add to my list i was kind of going through like 70s movies uh, Mm -hmm. to kind of mine from because there is so many like interesting ones that have like these like interesting tired like and i kind of want to i for my personal list, I only, like, I mean, I picked ones that movies that I'd seen before, but there were so mm-hmm. many on the 70s, like, decade, like, that I was just, like, going through, and I was just like, man, all these sound so interesting, all these movies that nobody's heard of, and I think there's, like, a lot to mine from there, because I feel like, you know, we've done a lot of mining from, like, the, like, 50s and 60s and stuff, and then now we're kind of, like, uh, redoing a lot of 80s, 90s things, like, there's yeah. a lot to pull from from the 70s that um, aren't being touched with, so, so I like that pick. Um, Garrett, uh, what is uh, the first movie on your list? Uh, so a lot of these uh, picks that I have uh, were it was a stretch for me because it's a weird mix of like, do I pick a movie that I don't think is good, uh, that can be done better? Do I pick a movie that I love that I think could just be like a new spin on it? Uh, and some of these uh, are kind of a, a combination of the two. But my first one, I did end up going like very far back into like the, the, the horror lexicon and just being like, how could this, you know, kind of benefit from a modern context? And we've talked about it recently. Uh, just as far as like how witches and witch trials and all of these things I feel are often misinterpreted in like a modern context where the the twist is and then they were witches the whole time and I'm like that's not really the point (laughs) of like the Salem witch trials and all of those things so my first pick is uh, the 1922 film Haxon which is like sort of a faux documentary uh, made uh, in 1922 it's a Swedish film uh, mostly a silent film um, but it it is about kind of the uh, 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 witchcraft and uh, all of these different kind of corners of like Wiccan culture and, and Satan rituals and all of these different things. And I think that could benefit from a modern retelling in a found footage sort of space. So, again, kind of a, a documentary, mockumentary sort of uh, angle of this documentarian trying to learn more about this culture, but ends up kind of falling deep into this rabbit hole of, you know, madness and sanity and all of these things. So I think that 
that that could play really well and have some uh, social elements that are also weaved through it about, you know, uh, femininity and how some of these cultures are perceived just publicly and religion and uh, the church. And I think that there's a lot of themes at play uh, that are kind of just hanging above the original film, but aren't like fully you know, uh, dove into, uh, like thoroughly. It's not really what the movie is, uh, attempting to do. And I think in a modern context, all of those things could really be a, a, a substantive conversation to be had. And I think that's smart too, because, you know, you, you said right before that, you know, like what, well, what are the, what's the context for a remake? You know, like, am I going to pick something that's bad, pick something that's good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mentioning something like Haxon is going back so far where the technology has obviously greatly improved. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, Haxon is a movie, largely silent as you said so it's based on mood it's based on so much different uh cinematic storytelling you know like you're you're making a movie in a completely different way Mm -hmm. so to do found footage is is correct because it's like all right well i can't just remake haxon like that is a movie that that Mm -hmm. exists in its own and exists as one of like as a classic for a reason yeah remaking it one for one would not be something that is beneficial i think but doing something unique doing a twist on it like that's how you do the hook like that's how you do um maniac for example is one of my mm-hmm. favorite remakes and it's like all right are we just remaking a exploitation splatter film or are we right. going to put the camera in his head you're going to hear everything frank says stuff like mm-hmm. that so i th- like that's the one way i'd want to see a Haxon remake if you just yeah. turn it do- mockumentary turn it that way totally and devon you and i have talked a lot about like vibe movies to put on at the bar and Haxon, the original one is like probably the king of that like this is such just a have it on vibe sort of movie so that one's for free next Next uh, Halloween, Ooh. you can put this one on at the at the bar. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, uh, I definitely. I'm I'm starting to run out of uh, movies at the bar choices as I just put Fast Five on a, a bunch of times. Nice. Um, but, I mean, who's <laughs> complaining there? Um, but uh, I really uh, I haven't seen this, but it's been on my watch list for a minute. Um, and I, I I need more mockumentary uh, found footage horror films just in general. I feel like um like obviously we have plenty of found footage, but like as far as like kind of uh, that specific style of found footage, uh, I would love to see. So that sounds very interesting to me. Uh, you know I love my witchcraft uh, films as well. Um, and then the first one that I put on my list um was a um. Uh, so for mine, most of my lists are, they're two to three star movies that I'm like, have like the interesting ideas, like certain thing has certain charms, but like ultimately just don't work. Uh, I kind of want to go that route for most of mine and, uh, uh, Stephen King adaptations. I feel like there's a lot of those, um, that could, uh, uh kind of get a, a remake treatment. Um, so for my first one is one that uh, we've covered here on the podcast. I mentioned, uh, thinking it would uh, make for a really great modern remake, and that is uh, the one that uh, King tried to direct himself, Maximum Overdrive. Nice. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, we talked uh, at length about how it was a miracle that that movie even came together as like competently as it seems to be, uh, even though it, like is very cheesy. There was lots of stuff going on. But um and but there is like a, a, a an oppressive terror that could be like kind of exploited from there. And uh, if you know, like obviously the movie is fun for its own goofy charm to it and everything. So we have that. So if we did the remake, I'd want to go in a very uh, serious dark route. Um, where you know we kind of of course we have self-driving cars, we have smart appliances everywhere, all these kind of different things. Um, I feel like you know we've seen um. A, a, a few movies kind of tap into certain areas of that, whether it be Upgrade or Megan. Um, so like, it, and it could even tie into the Megan verse. Honestly, uh, Blumhouse doing a Maximum Overdrive would be a good time. 
Um, there's uh, there's the. Did either one of you guys watch Mr. Robot by chance? I did uh, not. Didn't catch it. Uh, well, fun show. You should uh, check it out. Um, but there's a uh, there's a scene uh, there's an episode in season two, and a lot of Mr. Robot like their episodes like like they, it has the ongoing narrative, but they do a thing where they kind of do like uh, episodes in the style of certain movies or or in the style of a genre of movies. And Mr. Robot was always really fun when it tapped into horror. And there's an episode where they are uh, sabotaging this, like, uh, I think she was like a lawyer or an executive. And they're fucking with her because she uh, invented this smart house that she lives in. And they're, like, sabotaging it. It's like, a, and it, it's like 30 minutes, a little 30-minute horror film. And it's super fun. So it's like, I feel like we could kind of take some of that with, the, again, with, like, the smart house and the appliances and stuff. Um, we've always talked about uh, Disney smart house needs a remake. Uh, uh, <laughs> we could kind of take some of those ideas and put them into a maximum overdrive uh, remake where we do still get like the terror of like these fucking uh, Teslas uh, going off the rails and you know terrorizing people. I think it could. Uh, I think it could be a good time. For the record, we kind of did get the Smart House horror remake with Mar- uh, Margot. It's it's not bad. It, like it came and went. No one really watched it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it came out last year. But it is a Smart House oh. horror film by uh, Stephen C. Miller and. For me, it gives me what I want in a smart house horror film. Like, it's is it a little lower budget than I want, and they have to maybe skirt around a few things? Yeah, but like, if you want that AI house fix, uh, look up Margot. It's it's not bad. It also makes me wonder how. Like, I don't, I don't. It, it's not that much of a stretch in my mind to imagine self driving cars killing people uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> so good pick, Devon. Exactly. Look at society. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like, it's like basically happening already. Exactly. Like, I mean, the, the, the inherent fear is there. And I think it could be like a, a really fun, like progression, like kind of starts in the house and then they're like kind of put out of their houses. And then like now it's like they're out and out in the streets and the cars are fucking going crazy. Like it could be interesting. So, uh, Donato, what else do you, do you got going on your list? So my first pick was a good movie. I just want to see remade because it has so a wealth of like opportunity for you know, the new generation and stuff like that. Second one is going to be a film that I feel underperforms for what it is. Uh, I'm going to take Rawhead Rex because, again, practical effects, practical guy, gore guts. I love seeing that stuff. And also it's like just a straightforward creature flick. And actually it's a straightforward Irish creature flick that relies on religious uh, symbolism and stuff of that nature. So like there's a lot of interesting storytelling at play. There's enough bonkers conceptual storytelling going on. It's, you know, rooted in Clive Barker. So you get a Clive Barker adaptation out of it all. But the film that we did get uh, drags for me. Um, It doesn't deliver the entire promise of being that like quintessential, like, you know, 80s kind of practically driven crazy ass horror film uh it doesn't play like a full midnighter at all times for me so i want to see this get remade because as much as i love the design of rawhead rex like sometimes it just looks like a dude with a prosthetic on his head like it it doesn't really maneuver the way you want it to uh so the budget shows everything shows on it and i feel like that it's prime to get a remake where the creature design is just that much better it's that much tighter it works way better with animatronics um, and it just has more energy. It has more of that zip where I like so many things about it. I like so many things about like the Celtic nature of it, but it, it, it needs an upgrade. Like it needs a definite upgrade. And so that's why it's, it's my second pick. 
Yeah, I, I've I've noticed that, you know, we kind of do a lot of the same horror monsters, like kind of incorporating them over and over again. And I miss when we got like a, a you know, a, just like a barrage of like just like random monster horror movies that are not like, you know, something recognizable like a werewolf or vampire or whatever. Um, so like I, I would want it just for that kind of fact of uh, being able to have that. And uh, uh, definitely uh, could, you know, it, it, again, it's one of those ones that has its charms and like, it you know, we'll still have that version. But like, yeah, being able to like kind of uh, definitely reinterpret it in a very different way with the uh, modern effects and technology. I think it could be fun. Yeah. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, Donato, but do you have like any director or anything in mind that you think would like uh, bring an interesting sort of flavor to this? I mean, just because I saw Evil Dead Rise and if we're talking about Irish horror, give it to Lee Cronin. Right. Like I, I now I now know he can do gore. I now know he can work with all of those things as well. Not that I doubted it, but like yeah. you know, he's proved himself being an Irish horror filmmaker that can handle this stuff. Uh Corin Hardy as well. Like, why not give that to Corin Hardy, who's proven the same thing over and over again? So like two off the top of my head. Hell yeah. Yeah. That what, sounds great. What what do you got uh, next on your list, Garrett? Uh, so a lot of remakes that we see nowadays, uh, there's literally one coming out like this week, I think, uh, and, and that is the live action animated remakes. And I've always wondered why not go the other way? Like, why not do live action to animation and make and kind of bring some new flavor into that? Uh, so I am doing an example of a film that I don't think as is as as good as it could be there is like oh that's such a cool idea but it's just like there's something missing there and i know this might be blasphemy for some but i'm taking uh clive barker's nightbreed which i know a lot of people love to me it's just not my favorite uh i think it's a little messy narratively and some of the characters don't super land with me and then surprisingly even some of the the uh, effects and makeup effects of a lot of the the characters and stuff just doesn't look great to me but i would love an animated remake of nightbreed like i'm thinking kind of like spirited away sort of style to where it's like this nightmarish fantasy to where it feels like you're watching a nightmare kind of come to life or brought to life uh there was also a movie uh that came out last year called the house which is like an anthology stop motion film that went out on netflix and i was thinking like that kind of energy to it as well again very dreamy fantasy nightmare sort of quality there so i think nightbreed would definitely benefit from having uh the freedom and the uh kind of the uh you know open-endedness that you can have with animation to where it's really just the you know your 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 mind is the only limitations of what you can have and i think when you are being transported into this otherworldly realm you know where all these like demons and creatures live uh yeah i think that's a great home for animation Oh, yeah. I, I had movies like because I, I thought of that, too, like because um, I, I did another <clears throat> podcast appearance and we were talking about Perfect Blue and like how that's a movie that like specifically only works animated. And it like kind of mm -hmm. got my brain going. I was like, oh, what are some movies that like maybe didn't work in live action that could uh, be uh, made into a horror animated film? And uh, I couldn't I couldn't fit that into any of my choices that I had. But uh, I love that approach. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I was going to say, like, the, the the animation realm and the live action realm, obviously, like, are so different in, in many ways. So, like, unlocking potential that you never thought could be there by, like, you know, taking something Clyde Barker and, you know, like, Nightbreed. And totally. There's so much fantasy element there and, like, the character design and all that stuff. You can have so much fun in animation unleashing what could be there. So, like, A+. Plus. Like, why isn't there more, like, uh, why hasn't anybody done a uh, animated Lovecraft horror movie? 
because like that's like you know uh, that's like a genre or an area where people have like struggled to you know bring Lovecraftian stuff to life because that's kind of the point of Lovecraftian stuff to like yeah. you know that they're kind of hard to imagine and to uh, put on the screen. So I, I wonder why there's not more of a like kind of more animated Cthulhu horror. I think that could be fun. Well, yeah. I'm sh- like I was gonna say like I'm sure that has to exist somewhere, but to me it's like you with animation you run the risk of a lot of people being like I'm not gonna watch a cartoon like like I mean yeah. there again there's a subset of those of those horror fans and stuff of that nature like that's not a horror movie it's a cartoon or something like that so I understand why it doesn't exist but totally. I, I you could have a lot of a lot of fun with it yeah hopefully wanna... the oh go ahead Devon oh no you go ahead Gary. I was just gonna say hopefully the public perception of that is changing as you know anime is becoming more and more popular by the year it seems and and anime is mm-hmm. able to have very mature uh very you know graphic uh, uh story elements in there and so um I I'm just hopeful that we continue to get more um, adult animation beyond just on Adult Swim you know like that seems to be really the only time that we get to see that sort of stuff is on the small screen and I would love to see uh, more uh, adult animation on the uh, the big screen too and i'm not talking about sausage party <laughs> there's a great run right now of mortal kombat films uh that totally rip like uh, the first one's like scorpion's revenge something and i reviewed it oh, and, yeah. and like i'm sitting there just going like holy shit this thing is like brutal as hell the action kicks nice. ass like it executes so well and it proves just what you said like you can pull off i i dare say it might be a little bit better to me than like the new uh reboot that i to enjoy but mm-hmm. you know with what they do in animation what they do like in illustration is crazy so anyone who thinks you know oh it's just a cartoon you can't you can't execute the same thing so like an action movie can mm, go watch mortal Kombat: scorpion's revenge uh kind of rips nice and he added to the list yeah uh, i i i i did watch scorpion's revenge and uh, definitely want to continue seeing more of that. And I, I also heard uh, that uh, that uh, Castlevania series was apparently really good oh, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard I've heard really good things about like how dark uh, that like went. So uh, yeah, definitely need some more uh, animated horror stuff. Um, I mean, this uh, my next one. I guess it could be animated. I mean, part of it would have to be animated, I suppose. And the original version did have some animated stuff, but I don't know about going full animate. But um, this would be a movie uh, connected to Stephen King again, but this is technically not a Stephen King adaptation. Um, and that would be uh, the sci-fi horror Lawnmower Man. Um, so so um, Stephen King uh, sued the people that made this movie because he basically they, they had their own script of this own movie that they made. And then they just took the name Lawnmower Man from Stephen King and like said it's an adaptation. It's totally not. Um, and the, the actual Lawnmower Man's uh, short story, it's in uh, the Night Shift collection, is actually really fucking weird and uh, should be adapted into, I think could make a super weird film. I don't know if there's enough uh, in it to make a full feature film, but uh, it's, a, it's an interesting story. Uh, you should uh, go read it. But uh, that's not what I'm talking about since that version has not officially been adapted. I am talking about the actual, uh, I, I forget what the original title for it was. It was like, Something stupid like, I don't know, uh, Power Man or I don't know, something like that. But it's uh, about this, uh, you know, guy that, you know, he gets experimented on eventually has like the ability to like integrate himself with technology and the Internet. And this was a very early Internet days. We didn't know jack shit about the Internet or capabilities of it Mm -hmm. or kind of how it worked. Um, The effects for this movie are terrible. Um, uh, it's not a good movie. Um, it again has its charm that I liked when I was a kid, but then I remember like rewatching it a couple years ago and I was like, oh man, this is really bad. Um, 
You know, so I think um, obviously with updated technology, there's a lot that we can do with that idea now uh, that would be a little bit more interesting. Um, for one, the movie also does the thing of the main character who gets experimented on is a mentally disabled person, and then they experiment on him, and now he's uh, a genius, but he's also a villain, and that's uh, that's uh, not cool. That's a little problematic. Didn't even need to be a mentally disabled person. It could be just a, a regular, normal, dumb person that, you know, uh, gets this. And I think the perfect angle for that would be a, like, social media angle. Uh, what if it was uh, is, was an influencer and, like, kind of the way that that works with social media, technology, all these things. Um, you could kind of uh, have some some meta fun here, but, like, you know, um, you know, uh, exaggerate, you know, the, the effect that influencers have on, you know, day-to-day life and social media. Uh, I think yeah. it could be interesting. Make them the ultimate villain, uh, as most people have uh, come to not like. Uh, influencers. I, I've noticed the only way that people like seeing influencers in horror movies is if they suck and they are terrible and die. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I feel like uh, we could kind of have some fun with that with a uh, lawnmower man. Uh, could have like maybe a screen life uh, found footage uh, touch to it. Maybe who knows? Uh, as it maybe it like kind of shifts formats like the deeper he gets integrated into uh, the technology. I don't know. I love how you went from a, a regular dumb person to, you know, like a media influencer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, not far off. Well, and it's funny talking about technology because, like, I was thinking, you know, like, when, would something like Videodrome uh, mm-hmm. benefit from, like, a, a remake in the sense that, again, phenomenal movie, nothing wrong with Videodrome. But that's another one of those reasons to me that you do a remake, like, when you can take themes that were relevant how long ago but with different technology – and then, you know, update it here where, like, it's no longer reaching through, like, a fuzzy television screen. It's now reaching through phones and, you know, like, smartphones and stuff like that. So, I, I yeah, I, I agree with anything that goes the tech route and can make kind of the same commentary just with our devices now versus however long ago. Yeah, I will give you go picture, Devon. As long as you have a Super Nintendo game like the original did, uh, then then you've got you can you can make your remake. <laughs> oh yeah, video game tie-in. Let's do it. Let's get those back on board. Let's get those going again. Um, yeah. yeah, Video Drum actually was on my list of candidates. Um, but I was like, I, I can't touch Daddy Cronenberg. Like, I I I don't want to do it unless. I think that would be cool to see Brandon take on Videodrome. That would be a, mm-hmm. a, a cool, like, interesting thing. Has that ever happened? Uh, a director's kid redoing their movie? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I've, I've never yeah. encountered such. Yeah, so that could be a... What if they traded movies, even? Uh, you know, <laughs> like, see, because uh, I think uh, Antiviral, it's okay, but I think Daddy Cronenberg could do that one way better. So who knows? I don't know. I think I think Brandon's putting his dad and, you know, putting him in his paces, considering like I I think his more recent fare is better than his dad's most recent fare. Like I think Possessor and and, uh, everything is better in Crimes of the Future. It's just like, "Eh, okay, Brandon's had three (laughs) movies and Daddy Cronenberg took an eight year break. Let's not let's not get too crazy there, Garrett. Let's not (laughs) let's not get too wild here. Um, But uh, Donato, what is uh, next on uh, your list? All right, we're going to go with the already been remade and to me needs redemption uh, because it was remade very horribly. <laughs> it is one of the 2000 remakes that is unanimously hated. That's Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and here, so here is what I want, though. Like, I, I my favorite part about the Nightmare movies is going into, you know, the, the dreamland 
and depending on who that person is like you know as the films progress they had more and more fun with said dreamland whoever person you know whether it's like a comic book version or whether it's like the fancy dinner scene like everything changes depending on the dream and i want to see that taken to the level of in my mind like it's a mini series and in my mind it's like every character let's say there's like seven characters they each get kind of their own episode and then there's like a two-parter at the end so throw two more episodes where everyone collides and it's the the, the big big to-do scene together uh but each episode is a different director and each episode has a different complete feel to it and then they all kind of collide at the end and make this like amalgamation of a finale where it's like everything kind of like a multiverse colliding in on each mm. other but like give one episode to like benson and moorhead give one episode to like chloe akuno like give one episode to ty west karen kusama like go down the list like agnieszka smachenska from like the lore like let her do one and just get these different uh stylistic episodes and the actor like the, the freddy actor having to like have so much fun getting to jump around genres and do whatever they want um, I don't know. I think it'd be a really cool experiment. I think that'd be something that I would watch. If if we can also get like animated Freddy in there too, like that would be throwing in there. That'd be so rad. <laughs> oh man, an animated Freddy. Um, so I mean, because I I was actually going back through like some of my like previous tweets earlier, trying to find some ideas, and I had my I had my uh Freddy Krueger casting. So so we're talking a Nightmare on Elm Street uh movie. Uh, who do you guys got for uh your Freddy Krueger possibilities? Oh man, see that's the thing. Like I, I've, I've said this before on record. I still contest that it's true, but I, I think that Robert England is the only, the only uh, uh, horror icon that is like ear recastable. Like you can't recast yeah. uh, Freddy Krueger. It's, it's hard. You would have to do something drastically different. Uh, which is why I, I think animated would would, would uh, work really well. Uh, Robert England could voice, but I think that if you're going to do uh, Freddy again it has to be really different which I think is is tough right because what we saw with the uh, the 2010s remake it's like he's not serious he's not fun he's too serious and he's like like he does a good job but he's kind of just doing a worse you know Robert England so if you're gonna bring somebody on it's got to be really different so I don't I don't have anyone uh in in mind as of right now I, I definitely have to stew on that one because those are some uh, big shoes for sure boo, boo. Brad think... Dorif uh, would also beg the differ on uh, uh, only irreplaceable horror icon. I'm yeah. just saying he's he's a he's a voice. Somebody but somebody could do a hell of an impression if they if they really uh, wanted to. But like you have to go. So here the thing for me is like Jackie Earl, Earl Haley did not pull off the let's say more comedic elements of uh, of the of the role, and that's not to say which you know, I don't Freddy think was Kruger his fault either. I think it was more the writing. No, like I feel like Jackie Earl Haley, like he, the potential totally. was there for him to be a good Freddy, but like I don't I don't blame him as much. For sure. But so I, I think I might go the route of taking someone who maybe can we know can pull those notes off and like I mean, watching Barry on the mind, like what if we gave it to Bill Hader? Oh shit. What if we <laughs> what if we gave it to like halt wait wait for it, John C. Riley. <laughs> oh I would I would I would I, w- I would love either of those choices. Um I I had um a couple comedic options. Uh I said Jim Carrey. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to see him go, uh, you know, as dark as, you know, as many as much as we'd like for him to uh, in in films. And I think he uh, obviously could uh, kind of channel uh, some mask energy, but then uh, some, go some just cable guy energy, some cable uh, guy energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just go kind of real dark with it. My other options were uh, Dan Stevens or Lakeith Stanfield. I think both Ooh. of them uh, could bring some like interesting uh, flavors to it. Um, 
uh, with Donato, with your idea with it being a series, that could be a thing too. Like each one is played by a different person, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in with Freddie with a kind of different form. I think that could be fun. Yeah, yeah I you think... play around with so many things there because yeah. the only thing for me is like I like the idea in in my fucking vision that's never gonna come true. Uh, would be like the multiverse at the end and like they're trying to like navigate one dreamland where it keeps like riffing in on each other and they keep like going from like taking one step into another room into another room and it like goes through those so i think like you have to have one constant freddy who is just shifting with it but yeah. like i also did like that would be so much fun too where like you are just reacting like with an a freddy anthology base oh yeah like it, it, the potential is definitely there i think um and and that way we could get different interpretations and of course like uh we have to get the obligatory uh, kevin bacon episode in there um, you know, everybody, yeah. everybody wants a uh, Kevin Bacon in there. I think he'd be fun yeah. too, but he's, uh, he's getting up there in age as well. So, um, uh, but, uh, who, who, uh, so that was, uh, Donato Garrett, what is your next option? So if you would have told me that this would have been on my list, uh, I, I would have called you crazy because this is one of my all time favorite movies, but I do think that, uh, let me explain. I, I think that a Beetlejuice remake could work. Um, however, adapting the 2019 musical and bringing that uh, uh, to the to the big screen, I think, would work really well. Um, the musical, uh, I'm actually seeing it uh, this summer in Hollywood, and I'm so fucking excited, Devon. I can't wait to see it, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. But I know that the story really focuses on Lydia and her relationships with uh, with the Deets and uh, uh, with uh, the Maitlands as well, and as well as focusing on her, her uh, deceased mother and... I, I think in doing that, you kind of are escaping the shadow of the prior film, and you're also able to recast Beetlejuice and not have Michael Keaton, who's, I mean, I, I love Michael Keaton, but who knows how that's going to turn out. You know, I've seen the Flash movie, and I don't think that he brings the same energy to Batman. You know, I'll just <laughs> say that. Like, uh, I, I just, I don't, not going to say that he's too old for the role. It's just something that I think when you opened yourself up to like, this is the the story that you know, but it's a really fresh and new perspective on it. You can have uh, like an equally as iconic performance, but just a different take on this character, this character sort of out of time and let an actor like was done on Broadway, really have fun with it and, and, and do something uh, really exciting. So uh, I, I think that, uh, Beetlejuice brought to the big screen uh, again is definitely dangerous territory, but uh, I think some uh, fun musical numbers will kind of uh, uh, help the medicine go down a little easier. Mm, yeah, um, I mean, I was about to tune out your entire pitch until you said the musical part, uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, no, now I'm back. All right, I'm back on board because, I mean, we are finally getting Beetlejuice too, but yeah, who knows uh, what that's going to uh, turn out like. I'm so um, nervous, Devon. I'm so nervous. I mean, he is a ghost, so I wonder if they're going to maybe do something where they, like, get a young uh, person to, like, also portray, like, a different version of Beetlejuice also. Like, because he's a, you know, he's a ghost. Like, so they could they could do some things to where it doesn't have to be just Michael Keaton maybe. But yeah. I do like that idea, though, um, of making a movie version of the musical because the musical actually does add so much. Um, I've only listened to the soundtrack. Same. But listening to it like all the way through and like kind of uh, getting the different take on it, uh, it adds a different element of dark humor to it as well as uh, I just love musicals and we need more horror musicals. Damn it. Sure. Like give it give us more. Uh, so so I'm on I'm on board with uh, with Beetlejuice the musical the movie. I'm Thank on board. You. Thank you. Yeah, it's another hard one to just go out and like remake again because it is so beloved. Like it is one of those that 
if we're going to talk about like unrecastables, like that to me might be one of those unrecastables. Like totally. that is just Keaton is the role. Like Keaton just nails it a hundred percent. And it's one of those things where it's hard to picture anyone else doing it. But then again, uh, someone else can absolutely do it. Cause how many times has someone blown us out of the water with a remake? So yeah, I, I adding the musical element, we just, as to echo Devon, we need more horror musicals. So I'm yeah. not going to say no to that. That's, that's the easy way around it. The easy way around it being like, do we need a remake? Well, like, yeah, fuck that. Make it, make it a musical. <laughs> yeah. And I think Alex Brightman who uh, portrayed Beetlejuice on Broadway has, has proven that it's like, yeah, he's not doing what Keaton did at all. It's like totally his own fresh perspective, and he brings a lot of fun energy and, and flavors to the performance. So uh, I think like we've talked about before, if you're going to do the same exact thing, be respect some res- or expect some resistance. But if you're going to bring uh, a, fresh, uh, a fresh, fun, new perspective, uh, I think people are a little bit more eager to see something like that. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm here with you. I'm there with you. Uh, so for my last one um, was another one that has been done. And I mean, I guess they I, I saw reportings that there might be a legacy sequel, but I don't know if that's actually like confirmed or anything yet. But uh, this movie was uh, made into a TV series, which I thought would actually help it. But it only lasted the one season, got canceled. Um, and so if we're talking uh, big names, I guess this would be the biggest name for me uh, is I know what you did last summer. Um, I think, um, so don't get me wrong. The, the, the first two films, they're, they're fine. They're, they, they are what they are, but I think we, uh, give it a little too much credit, uh, due to Kevin Williamson and the timing with Scream and everything and, uh, and the cast as well. I think we give that movie a lot of leeway, but if you rewatch it, it's really not that great. Um, the mystery makes zero sense. Um, a lot of the characters are pretty one-dimensional. The the pacing is kind of odd. The way it jumps around, it's it's edited all to hell too. Um, it's it you know it has its moments, it has its fun scenes, and uh, and I don't really want a legacy sequel with Jeffrey Love Hewitt coming back. Like I, I don't really need that. Um, apparently that might happen, and then you know people are petitioning for Brandy to come back too. Um, you know I, I I don't really need that. I don't I don't think. It has enough lore and history and meat to it to really warrant a legacy sequel. Uh, so let's redo it. Let's uh, let's start over. Um, I know people have been uh, underwhelmed by the whodunit angles of uh, the uh, previous Scream entries uh, to a degree. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think uh, I know what you did last summer, which kind of focuses a little bit more on that, as well as uh, this, uh, you know, the the guilt that these teens are doing. And uh, I think it would be uh, nice because I feel like. Um, you know, uh, kids these days, they, that sounds so old, but they, um, you know, they, they, <laughs> we, they kind of live in this like kind of, you know, almost false reality to a degree. And like, um, I think, um, again, like kind of with a social media angle worked in with it, um, these kids trying to like deal with the consequences of the things that they do. Um, and I think, um, you know, we could kind of have it to where it's like, instead of it being like a, in the like little small fishing town, it could be like in a Beverly Hills, like kind of thing. And these are like a little bit more affluent kids that like have more means to get away with these crimes, um, mm-hmm. but are still, you know, getting hunted because they're trying to like get around that. So I feel like there's a, a, a fresh modern contemporary uh, uh, tone that could be added in and, uh, and make it a actual, like really compelling uh, you know, who done it? Maybe with a bodies, 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 um, kind of tone to it a little bit, but even darker, um, maybe. But um, I, I think there's just a lot there in that story that could be done better. <clears throat> and uh, and the series didn't work out, so let's try one more time with a, a fresh slate movie. Let's not do the legacy sequel. 
Yeah, I'm definitely not as protective of, of that series for me. It doesn't have any nostalgia. I saw it like pretty late and I also was like pretty underwhelmed by it. Uh, I don't think it, people are nearly as, uh, uh, you know, uh, in love with that series as they are like something like Scream. So why not? I just think the way that Hollywood's working nowadays, if you're going to get another one of those movies, yeah, it's going to be a legacy sequel, like requel sort of situation, which I think is a little odd because I don't think that there's there's not like a, a Gail Weathers, Sydney Prescott sort of character in those movies like that you know is so iconic to the horror lexicon so yeah why not just take another crack out and, and uh, do something uh, totally different with a new cast of characters yeah i have i have no desire to see uh, you know just like you said i have no desire to see that remake uh, like a remake that does you know sticks too close to it or a remake or sorry a sequel that is just legacy sequel because it's fine yeah. It's all fine. It, yeah. It's it's historic because it's tied to Scream, and it's forever going to yeah. be tied to that legacy. Just as you know, Scream comes out. Of course, that's the new trend. We're going to make the next one. So, hey, the next one up was also well cast and has so many names in it. So it's going to stay around for as long time. But not as big on my list of like need to see more of that. Mm-hmm. I like honestly like Urban Legends more fun to me. Yeah, and and that will actually that will actually take. Uh, that's a nice transition into. I was going to bring up uh, some of the uh, entries that were submitted to me via Twitter, and uh, one of the ones from previous uh, friend of the show, Ari uh, Power Schaub, said Urban Legend, and we were kind of going back and forth about uh, kind of incorporating maybe a creepy pasta angle to it, um, and or and I think she also said um, a, a social media like found footage element could be added, but I think um, we've been trying so hard to do things with creepy pasta, but yet have yet been able to properly tap into it for some reason and i think urban legend would be the the perfect ground for that even though like even though the original uh uh, urban legend is still was kind of ahead of its time as well it maybe came out a little too early um but um yeah so i think there's uh some potential there so that was a a good uh shout out there um another one that was mentioned was a monster squad um what would you guys feel about that I thought maybe like a you know I know people are kind of uh, nostalgic and precious about that one a little bit and uh, I think it would cause an uproar if people wanted a, a Monster Squad remake but at the same time like I think it could work with like a more mature teen um, tone to it. I will only take a Monster Squad remake if it's the cast of the Dark Universe. <laughs> so bring them all back, but you know, let them finally portray those characters, and then we can put it to bed. You know, I need some closure with all of that. <laughs> I saw I saw uh, that tweet come up again the other day, and it made me uh, like giggle. the cast photo yeah, of them just like giggle. behind the beige backdrop. <laughs> it was 2017. And it was like dawn of the Dark Universe is happening. Yeah, I remember the audacity of them changing the Universal logo into the Dark Universe logo for the mummy just like really calling their shot just <laughs> it's good stuff man <laughs> oh man the, the that 2017 mummy was the equivalent of yeah like uh, pointing to the sky and then striking out like that's exactly what they did with that um so um another one um that um uh this one got better with its sequels and has a very storied and complicated legacy um, we have a uh, sleepaway camp that was thrown out could it kind of, uh, you know, be done properly with its like actual, you know, be unabashedly queer and uh, kind of lean into that more rather than being kind of this whole subtext and the whole twist of it all. And apparently I, I haven't seen the, the sequels, but I know people kind of say that the sequels kind of lean into make that tone more intentional than what it happens in uh, in the first one. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, with the with the right writers and directors like handling that like nicely, I think it could be fun. 
Yeah, I think it's like it's tough a little bit because that movie doing what it did when it did is part of why it's so important. Um, so to you know to kind of bring that into the modern age, I feel like you might be better telling an original story versus like just letting that one live as it is. Because as you just said, like you know they had to be quote unquote subtle about certain things. They had to hold things back, and I think that's what makes the entire movie such an interesting you know dissection. Whether we're talking about that or you know Nightmare Two or things of that nature, where you know just make a different now like that isn't as much of a problem so go ahead and make something original but like i think those are much more microscopic and like things to evaluate at the time and point and be like these are important because they were paving the way um yeah I, I like yeah it's it's an interesting case yeah it was something that we talked a lot about uh when we did last year's uh pride month conversation and in, in that like a lot of horror and its examination of queerness has generally been subtext rather than text like that's been something that has kind of been a, a newer development as society is getting more and more kind of uh acclimated to gay people existing openly you know so uh i i also agree that maybe a, a less obvious uh, uh choice if if you want to tell a story like that, I think allows for a bit more um, nuance uh, than that that um, story kind of uh, offers, in my opinion. Well, and then you also have like to me like the Slumber Party Massacre remake is is very good at doing you know the subversion of it all. It's like you know okay we're looking at do we really need a Slumber Party Massacre remake? Like it's it's basically itself a template of slasher movies about you know girls that are basically naked having pillow fights and stuff like that and there's mm -hmm. the killer and then you have this remake come along that's like yeah we know that's what that one is we're not gonna do that again like mm -hmm. the men become you know they're the one having pillow fights and all these things so i think like with that kind of smarts and with that kind of acknowledgement uh then you can but you have to understand you know the source that you're you're pulling from and you know how to analyze that in a modern context yeah, that was pretty much the same. That's what I was thinking whenever I saw that suggestion because um, we, you know, we loved uh, covering the Slum Party Massacre movies, and uh, that remake, uh, yeah, definitely came from it with such a fresh take on it and still building off like the legacy of those previous ones in a in a very unique way. Um, a friend of the show, uh, Kay Lynch, uh, submitted a Creature from the Black Lagoon as uh, one of the uh, OG monster movies, uh, which that one came a little bit later after the heyday of the Universal Monsters. Um, and we uh, kind of got an homage to it with Shape of Water uh, from Del Toro, but we have not gotten like an outright uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon um, uh, remake. And I, I would love to see that because I just love that fishy boy. Like I, I would, uh, I think, um, you know, with a, you know, stronger environmental takes that, you know, with uh, the, the changing climates right now, um, I think we could definitely uh, pull a, a lot more into that, you know, uh, so I would definitely not be opposed to that. Yeah, for sure. I, I keep talking on our live stream uh, or my live stream with Perry Nemeroff and like we keep talking about the Radio Silence new movie news and every time it's like a new person gets updated or added to the cast. And so we have the fight of like in that bio and in the, the brief synopsis they give of the film or explanation, they say it is a universal monster thriller. So we keep debating back and forth. Does that mean it's going to be a new monster or are they going to, are they doing a universal monster movie? So we, we've come to the agreement that like, we both just hope it's a creature from the black lagoon movie because a hundred percent, I want to see a new one. And like, if it's radio silence and that cast, I, I am very curious. And we still have no idea, obviously, because uh, they make a point to say universal lowercase monster, lowercase thriller. But I, I don't know, like, would Universal not make 
a universal monster movie at this point so I'm, curious. I'm pretty sure that i mean i feel like that's what they're going for i've read somewhere that when they were initially talking about this that it was rumored to be a daughter of dracula film uh, was uh was one rumor that I saw, uh, which would be interesting considering we have another like a uh, alternative Dracula movie coming out here pretty soon. Uh, that was it, Voyage of the Demeter. Looks super yep. dope. Uh, very yep. excited for that one. Um, but yeah, so that's the, that's the rumor with the Radio Silence one. Who knows? But I would I would love for if it was a Creature of the Black Lagoon. If it helps too, that I believe the rights to that story are public domain. I could be wrong, uh, but I, I think that certainly what we've seen recently with like the Invisible Man, for example, it's a remake, but it's really a name only. And the fact that there's a, a scientist kind of guy who's like, you know, uses his technology to turn himself invisible, and that's it. Like the rest oh, yeah. of the movie is like night and day different. So I think Creature from the Black Lagoon uh, could totally have a similar sort of. It's about a fish guy and a lady and. That's about it, you know. Anything, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff, um, you know, obviously, you know, the remake craze, it's never going to die uh, as horror is never going to die. But, um, you know, but I, but as again, I'm hoping that we just uh, start mining a little bit deeper uh, in some of these suggestions. Well, Devon, uh, I wanted to, uh, as we're seeing now in Hollywood, as uh, uh, writers are being kicked to the curb and, and uh, <laughs> studio executives are looking towards different tools to uh, assist them in some ideas. Uh, if you'll allow me, Devon, um, I did ask AI, oh, uh, what are 10 horror movies that they think would benefit from a remake? And I wanted them to uh, uh, rank them in order from most deserving to least deserving. So I won't go in order of all of them, uh, but the number one pick they had was Rosemary's Baby. Baby. Uh, it says a modern retelling of this classic psychological horror film could explore the themes of motherhood and paranoia. Uh, so again, you know, let's tell, tell a feminist story, but it's about moms, unsurprisingly. Uh, and we're going to uh, do that first, and then we're going to have uh, 1963, uh, The Haunting, uh, and then The Wicker Man, as well as Carnival of Souls and Invasion of the Body Snatchers again. So uh, if AI is anything to be believed, these are the next five horror remakes that are going to get announced because Hollywood refuses to pay their writers. <laughs> you, you hear that slate, people? That's We don't need it. You know, fucking go go support the writers. Uh, they deserve everything. Uh, that's hilarious, though. Um, I mean, they tried with they tried the Rosemary's Baby series already. Uh, nobody watched it. Um, I don't know how it turned out, but it was a uh, Zoe Saldana. Um, so, so they tried that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, we got four of them. We might as well keep that train going, I <laughs> Keep <guess>. it going. <laughs> uh, you know, it is, uh, the, the story that keeps on giving, apparently. <laughs> oh, we also have the Wicker Man. I mean, the Wicker Man's been done. That's, that's, uh, we got yeah, some more. Exactly. And well, also the Wicker Man, too. <laughs> also the Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> Which that is one, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I almost picked it for for this one because like I feel like it's had such an interesting trajectory of it was like the meme movie for a while but like now when you like kind of watch it and you like kind of see it like I, I'm pretty sure that you know it, it was going for those things on purpose and like it, it yeah uh, uh, definitely deserves a little bit of a repraisal for its like own being its own kind of iteration of it um yeah but, yeah, but so uh, no more Wicker Man we get we got two more remakes of it we're solid there yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of this list, but I do want to note that out of the 10 of them, most of them have been remade several times. It also suggested Dracula, The Blob, and Children of the Corn. We literally got a new one this year. Uh, so yeah, further proof that AI offers no new original ideas. 
I had Children of the Corn on my list. Um, I, I wrote an article like a few years ago, and Children of the Corn was on there. But yeah, we just got the the remake of that, and apparently it's trash. That's upsetting. Yeah, we need redemption. <laughs> like, I would be fine with an immediate remake because I want <laughs> to forget that piece button. of shit. <laughs> yeah, the, hit the redo immediately. Already shuffling it under. Nope, nope, <laughs> yeah. that, that didn't happen. Uh, it, I mean, hey, it's only been out for a few months. It's not in enough people's memories. Uh, let's uh, we'll we'll go pull off a little heist to go uh, I mean, destroy any race uh, children of the corn. <laughs> the studio buried it for two years, so I mean, if that wasn't enough of an indication, like, oh <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, the the remakes they're they're gonna keep coming, and uh, I'm excited to kind of see uh, the the continual evolution of them again, like as they are kind of becoming, uh, they don't have as negative of a stigma to them. And I feel like, um, you know, again, with uh, a lot of creative directors, uh, I, I think my biggest hope for the future is to get again, like kind of more of, uh, the reimaginings that, uh, we kind of discussed, like, uh, we kind of discussed that with the Suspiria episode. Uh, I very much, uh, am not as interested when it's like, okay, taking the same story again. I want to take, uh, some of these concepts that uh, like, you know, just didn't work and like, really like kind of shifted up i feel like we don't get enough of those and that's kind of a little bit more what i would like yeah me too when i used to talk to uh do interviews at like festivals and stuff and talk to filmmakers i used to close that because again the the remake obsessed me even like years ago i would close one of my last questions be like hey this is totally off topic but like if you could remake anything you wanted to in your own way like what would you do and i, I got like such interesting answers because it did get into the conversation of like why do we do remakes like is it to do something one for one is it to reimagine something and like you know i think elijah wood hit the nail on the head and he kind of just said like there's you know a 1985 movie called explorers that did it have the best reception and the best effects for a sci-fi film and all these things it was trying to do like no so you take something that was a little more forgotten at this point you take something that needs the dust brushed off and like that needs like technologies advanced so it can be like way more effects driven uh, and he's like, yeah, like that, that's the reason for a remake. Um, and then Nacho Vigalondo on the other side of the table is like, yeah, I just want to remake E.T. I want to do my own E.T. And I was like, all right. So like literally both sides of the coin on that one. But like, I do agree with Elijah Wood. Like at the, at the end of the day, like, I don't want to see the same thing in a remake. I want to see a re- reimagining. I want to see what you bring to the story. I want to see it told differently because we have that movie that exists already. And whether it's a passage of time that will give it a technological upgrade or, you know, as much as we hate to see it but like train to busan uh, i just does the movie that came out a few years ago absolutely rip and should people watch it yeah 100 percent. but is a large majority of americans going to not do it because of the subtitles 100 percent. so like i i that's like the fight i always have in my head where it's like god just watch the original train to busan but also knowing so many mainstream moviegoers will not so it's like cool then do it right give it to timo fucking DeJanto. like give it to the right people put it in the right hands and make sure that's how it gets done don't just pull a quarantine yeah, for sure. I, I think it's also an interesting conversation too. like having been of a younger generation, like coming uh, like to be a horror fan during this remake craze. Lot, a lot of these horror remakes introduced me to the other films uh, we talked about uh, uh, just a few short weeks ago. Texas Chainsaw, the remake, was the first one that I saw. I saw Evil Dead 2013 before I saw the remake. I saw uh, so many of these movies. The Crazies, The Hills Have Eyes, Dawn of the Dead, like all of these movies I saw and then loved it or, or you know, was interested in the original and then sought that out. So I know it's it's tough for a lot of people to hear that this is kind of a gateway for a lot of people. Uh 
uh, into the genre, into uh, some of these old, maybe lesser appreciated, more forgotten films. So uh, I definitely understand the hesitancy. I, I definitely have it too, especially with what you were talking about, Donato, in regards to like, people won't watch it because of there's words at the bottom and just being like, why and almost wanting to be like stubborn in your way of like just don't like i don't even want to give you the luxury <laughs> of like the the easy way out but uh i think that there's a, a lot of folks who um might hear how much people love the original and then go seek that out so um hopefully that uh as we get more remakes and reimaginings of these stories it just encourages people to uh look back and see what inspired this this new film oh yeah for sure there, there's always gonna kind of have that effect and you know, and even when a remake doesn't work out, it's kind of like the same thing, too. It's like, OK, and that sometimes works for uh, the foreign language ones. It's like they watch the American ones and they're like, oh, this is boring. And then people kind of go back and they're like, oh, yeah, I should have just started with uh, this one to begin with. So uh, it has that effect. And uh, and hey, I, I know where Elijah Wood lives, so uh, I could go uh, bring this episode to him and uh, be like, hey, Spectre Vision, you want to do some remakes? Uh, we got we got a, a good 12 ideas here for you. Uh, take your pick, Elijah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Um, but uh, I think that'll go ahead and do it for this little extra special episode of uh, Spectre Cinema Club here, closing out our remake mania uh, as we uh, head into uh, Pride Month next month uh, with a celebration at camp and as going to be a very fun, goofy time and also uh, semantic trying to uh, pin down what camp really is, the, the enigma that is camp. Uh, so so excited to dig into that. But uh, until then, uh, Donato, thank you for coming on once again. Uh, remind the people uh, where they can find you online and what you're working on. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. And I, I can't wait to take my rightful place as number four <laughs> when the next episode comes up and I'm on top. In any case, you can find me at Donato Bob, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram. Uh, I'm all over the Internet. So just really just follow me on social. I will tell you where my next articles are hitting. And also, I co-host a podcast with Matt Monocle called Certified Forgotten, your one-stop shop for every episode. A guest brings us a horror movie with 10 or less critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and they tell us why you should watch it. So if you want those really understated movies, if you want all those things you tweet about saying, hey, we're, why isn't anyone talking about movies that aren't that popular? That's Certified Forgotten. Mm-hmm. Come find us, join our Patreon, uh, read our website, do all that shit. So do it. Yes, they are. They are doing uh, the letterbox lords work out here. Uh, you know, keeping uh, these smaller films in people's minds and memories, and uh, the things that slip through the cracks and some of these festival runs and stuff. Uh, lots of good stuff. So definitely go uh, check them out. Garrett, what are you working on right now? Oh, you guys can follow me over on Twitter, uh, Letterboxd, and TikTok, uh, at Garrett McDowell. But if you guys want some more uh, podcast uh, goods from me, I also have another podcast called uh, Scum and Villainy, in which we uh, talk about Star Wars, new episodes every Thursday, and all of that can be found uh, over on my Twitter page, again, at Garrett McDowell. And you can find me, as always, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, at underscore Daddy Disco. Uh, you can hear me uh, coming up on the What a Scream podcast uh, talking about twist endings. And uh, we kind of talk about some, of course, some Shyamalan things as well as Perfect Blue. Um, and then you can also hear me over a non on a non-horror podcast, but uh, the Church of Tarantino uh, talking about uh, some of the films that inspired Kill Bill Volume 1. And we did talk about Lady Snowblood, which is a, a very violent, bloody revenge film. So, you know, close to horror. We're still in a similar in a similar sandbox. So uh, go check out that episode. That was a very fun discussion. But 
Now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.